Hello. Oh my gosh. I think I managed to record. Wow. Taking the headphones off now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Whenever It Kicks with me, Jessie Cave. After a long, long hiatus slash break slash I gave up, but I'm back. I am back and I'm determined to do regular um, outpourings of my emotions and my feelings and my experiences with motherhood. I started the podcast when I was 21 weeks pregnant with Becca. Becca is my fourth child. He is now 21 months old, which is crazy. He still looks about, he still looks probably about um, a year old because he's tiny. He's a tiny baby. And I think in the last podcast I did, I was talking about how we, I was slightly worried about his size because he was very tiny when he was born. Not like, not like, you know, premature tiny. I mean, he was technically premature, but um, that was because he was induced early because they were worried about how tiny he was. Anyway, he has stayed small and um, it is an ongoing um, investigation from us, the parents. Um, But He's, I think he's on, he's growing. I think he will be, I think he will be a good height. He doesn't stop eating and he doesn't stop breastfeeding. And that's what the topic of this episode is going to be about today. It's going to be about the emotionally charged subject of breastfeeding. Specifically, breastfeeding a child who is able to ask for booby. He's able to say, Booby, booby, give me booby. Um, and I didn't think I would ever breastfeed a child long enough for them to be able to ask for it. Um, so it's slightly, it's, it, I've got weird feelings about it. I kind of, I love it. I love it more than anything. Um, the fact that it was such an easy thing for me to do to breastfeed him. He was just very good at it immediately. And if you've had a child that isn't good at feeding immediately, then you really do feel lucky um, when they do. Anyway, I'll get into breastfeeding later. I've just dived straight into breastfeeding and I've just got to stop talking about breastfeeding, I think. God, talk about it all day, every day. Anyway, I, I just to fill you in on what I've been doing since I've been away, since I neglected my podcast duties, I had a bit of a, a difficult year. It wasn't a great year. <laughs> 2023 was pretty horrible, actually in a lot of ways, emotional, uh, career, um, just awful, really, just really awful, awful year. So I'm really excited that it's January and hopefully this year is going to be a good year. Touch the wood, just touch my, the wood. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I think Becca was really tiny still. And I was trying to juggle doing as usual, too many jobs and, was meant to be writing my novel, my novel, novel two, um, was meant to be writing that. And I think I just suddenly decided, okay, it's all too much. And I have always been very much, oh, you can kind of do a lot of stuff and have kids. Let's have another one. Have another kid. You can do, we, I can still do stuff. Let's have another one. Let's have another one. We can still do stuff. I can, let's have another one. Um, but I think um, number four really did make me realize, oh, okay. And I was humbled. I was humbled by by motherhood. Not 
in that I realized how hard it was all the time, but, um, I realized that something's got to give. So I can't have the career I want. I can't have the social life I want. I can't have the body I want because of, you know, time to put into your body. Um, my dream body is Marge Simpson in her bodybuilding era. Um, if you don't know that reference, I do encourage you to Google Marge Simpson bodybuilding era. Um, so I, yeah, I just had to realize that something's got to give. So podcasting gave and I had a little break from social media and stuff. And I really tried to write my book. Um, and I, I had to, I had to basically give that up. Got to the point where I was just like, I can't, I just can't be away from the kids. I love, I really love being with them all the time. And I have immense guilt, like every mother has about something or rather every day, but I just had such immense guilt about hearing the babies downstairs when I was trying to write upstairs. And I just felt silly. I just felt really silly for trying to write at all when I had children that needed me downstairs. Obviously they were being looked after, but by my mum, who's amazing. But I just, I kind of realised, oh no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hear them playing or crying downstairs when I'm up here trying to write something for the sake of writing something for art and obviously to pay bills as well. But I, I honestly thought, oh, I don't even want that anymore. I don't want to do that. So I did. I tried to give up. Um, I actually couldn't give up. I decided actually, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to have a little pause on that for a bit. And I did. And actually as a result of the thing about writing um, a book is that obviously you need all day, every day to sit there and do it. Not all day, every day, but you need a good amount of time. You need three plus hours and three plus hours when you've got a tiny baby uh, is kind of too much. <laughs> so as a reaction to that and feeling kind of still kind of creatively, like I needed to be doing something and putting myself out there and earning money, I started doing a show, a comedy show. Uh, one woman show, obviously. And um, that's what I spent the majority of last year doing is doing a one woman show and taking that to Edinburgh and building it up. And actually that's what I'm going to be doing this year in Edinburgh Festival again and doing shows, which was really good because it was all about motherhood. It was all about talking about how much I love it and how I was really humbled by the the experience I had after the birth of Becca and how everything kind of just collapsed and feeling silly for thinking it would be easy because <laughs> I really did. I thought it would be easy. I thought, I thought it would be easy with four kids and I feel really silly, but anyway, it's beautiful. It's chaos, but you know, we're still here and we're having a nice time a lot of the time. And a lot of the time it's, um, so loud. It's just so loud with that many kids, especially if you live in a very small area. It's a lot of noise. And, uh, that's what, yeah. So that's, that's the update. That's the update on what I've been doing. And, um, I, I sometimes get messages. I think that's probably the reason why I'm doing this again. I get kind of quite a few messages from people saying that they're pregnant and they've been listening to the early episodes and when I was pregnant too. And, I just really miss talking about motherhood. I really miss talking about pregnancy. I really miss 
pregnancy, which is awful, isn't it? I, I, some people are like, oh my God, I hated pregnancy. I couldn't bear it. I felt sick all the time or I was so tired or I couldn't drink or I couldn't smoke or whatever. I, even though pregnancy four was hard, I got COVID, I got norovirus. I was nauseous the entire time. Um, I just miss it. Isn't that insane? Just miss it. Just like the the thing, the feeling of something inside you, uh, that's not a dick. Um, <laughs> something inside you that is is growing, <laughs> that's growing, and it's it's your secret, it's your thing, and there's so much hope projected onto this little thing inside you, and you all you have to do is keep it safe, and it's so simple, it's so simple that you just all you have to do is try and get it to the point of delivery. And then once you're post delivery, everything changes. Suddenly the world is there and things are scary. But whilst it's inside you, it's kind of, there's still possibility and there's still something sacred about it. I don't know. So I do really miss it. I keep going on the bus and seeing women who are pregnant and being like, oh, oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm sure they are appreciating it, but you know. Anyway, I'll go back to... um, Today, today in the life of, uh, of, of Jesse Cave and the many children, we, we've just got back from seeing Bluey, the big play show at the Southbank Centre in London. Now, I'm really sorry if you went to the Bluey show and you had a good time. I'm sorry. We went, I took 10 and Beck, I know I took 10 and Margot. Margot is seven now and 10 is just three. Well, he was three in October, but I can't bear the thought of him being, you know, getting older. So he's just three, just turned three in October. And um, it was, it was so expensive. The tickets were so expensive and we were sitting, sitting in the balcony. So I purposely got seats where they weren't right at the back, but they weren't, they weren't expensive. They were like 20, 20 quid each. Um, and that's why I only took two kids. And the merch stand, all, everything was over 20 quid. So obviously that's the reason they wanted to go really is for the merch, of course. Um, and they had these weird merch stuff. They had like bluey ears and then they had like, it was called a, a spinning asparagus. Now I'm not like, uh, I'm not fully clued up on bluey, uh, the vernacular of bluey and what, you know, everything that's in the bluey household, but I don't know anything about why they would have asparagus lights to sell, but obviously that's what 10 wanted. They cost 23 pounds. I thought he'd forget about the spinning asparagus light thing. We went to see the show five minutes in, no, not even five minutes, like two minutes into the show. They just went off stage and all the house lights came up and suddenly there was just children screaming, like screaming and just no, no one said anything like front of house didn't say anything. And we were just in this huge theater with all these children going insane. And then suddenly there was a muffled, um, we're very sorry, but, uh, there's been a technical issue and, uh, we'll be back. Five more minutes passed just sitting there. Finally, they came back on and they were like life-size blueies, like huge blueies, bingos, mom and dad, but you could see the puppet tears, the puppeteers behind them. So if you had this, the angle that we had, which was from up above, it just looked very strange because it was like this weird actor's head on top of Bluey's head. And it was actually quite scary. 
<laughs> so it wasn't ideal. The whole thing wasn't ideal. And then after, obviously, the queue for the merch stand was now almost going outside the South Bank Centre and Ten hadn't forgotten about the spinning asparagus light. So we got in the huge queue and then I thought, okay, now I'm going to invest time into this queue and 23 quid. And then if we get to the top of the queue and the asparagus lights have run out, which because every single children, every single child in there wanted the asparagus light, but we managed to get an asparagus light and it was fine. And then got the tube home. It was a really nice thing to do, but I just can't believe how much it costs to have a nice day out like that. Uh, and you, you, now I've, what I've learned is when you have more than two kids, you kind of have to pick what you have to pick and choose who gets the nice day out and who you're going to have to lie to. So obviously I had to lie to Becca to be able to leave the flat by being like, just going to get some milk or just going out. Just we'll be back in a second. I'm just going to get you some chocolate. Don't worry. And then come back five hours later after going to Bluey and not tell him what the weird asparagus spinny light is and try and get Ten to keep his promise of hiding the spinny asparagus free thing. But he's obviously not going to hide it and it's going to become a huge fight later. Um, but yeah, quite, quite often now me and Alfie are splitting up the children and doing things individually, which is really nice to get to that stage where like Donnie and Margot can go off and have a nice time with Alfie and I can have Becca and Ten and then we can switch around and it's some quite often Alfie has just one of them and it, it's, it's lovely to get to that stage where we can do that. I haven't quite got to the stage where Becca can be separated from me. And that is all because of dun, 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 breastfeeding, breastfeeding. So 21 months old. Now the World Health Organization, I think, I don't know if it's that one, says that babies uh, should or, you know, benefit, not should, but benefit from being breastfed until they're up to the age of two years old. Now, 24 months, that's a long time to breastfeed. I never thought I would get that long, but uh, I think we're going to, we're going to surpass the two year mark because he's addicted and because we co-sleep. Oh my God. Just how am I going to stop him? And I sleep with like, like, you know, pants on and a t-shirt and a, like a sports bra kind of thing, not a sports bra, but like, you know, a what's, I don't know the word for it. What's the word for it? Non-wireless? Wireless. Yeah. A wireless sports thing. And he still manages to get up my top and find my boob at whatever time of the night. Sorry if that was too much information. I shouldn't have said the word pants in my first podcast back in a long time. But anyway, that's what I wear at night. I mean, you know, a normal, I don't know. I don't, sorry, I don't sleep in pajama bottoms, but I, I don't just find them too, you know, I don't know, whatever. That's what I wear. Get over it. Anyway. So it seems like I feed him probably about five to six times in the night still, <laughs> which is a lot of times. And if I ever spend the night away, which I am doing increasingly, and my mum stays over in the attempt to get him to stop feeding and to stop my milk production. Cause it's a, it's still a production. It's still a big, big production. These, these boobs. Um, my mum's like, Oh no, he sleeps through. He sleeps through with me. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He sleeps through. He has ne in, in 21 months. He hasn't slept through. How can he sleep through with you? Like what? So I think my mum's lying or this is what we've investigated and, and we're starting to realise it's more of a me problem than a Becca problem. So I, since I was young, 
very, very young, have um, had quite a ridiculous, ridiculous snore. I snore very loudly. I actually also have sleep apnea, which I, I used to think was like cute. Um, you know, who doesn't want sleep apnea? But I have, I have quite bad sleep apnea. I think I, I think I'm like dying about five times a night, apparently. Like I just wake up like thinking that I've just swallowed my tongue or something really bad. Whenever I sleep with Alfie, he's like, has to hold my nose and turn me on my side, you know, just like normal foreplay. Um, but (laughs) so multiple times a night, I think like my, I'm still asleep, but my, my brain is like, no, you're dying. You're dying. Wake up. So I think what's happening is I'm, I'm doing, I think I'm swallowing my tongue. I wake up going, and that wakes Becca up. And then he goes on the search for my breast. That's what I think is happening because why would he sleep through with my mom and not sleep through with me? And then to add to things the other day. So I love, um, the popular snack of cacao nibs, (laughs) you know, that popular snack, um, I like lots of cacao nibs. I have a lot of cacao every day. And cacao is meant to be really good for magnesium. Anyway, that's a that's a side note, but cacao is really good for you. I, I love really, really um, intense, dark chocolate. Um, I think that's a reaction to my weird food issues growing up where I was like, oh, what's the cheat version of chocolate? Oh, it's the chocolate that has no sugar in. Okay, then you can eat as much of that as you want. And that's why I've stuck with it. But now I actually think I've tricked my brain into liking it. So I do like cacao nibs. I do like 100% chocolate, have too much of it. Anyway, detour. So anyway, Becca eats, he eats a lot, but he only eats when he sees other people eating the he only eats when he's copying other people eating. So he eats whatever Ten's eating, whatever Donnie's eating. But if I try and get him to eat on his own, he doesn't eat. So quite often he has my dinner uh, with me, which is, you know, healthy. So that's good. And then after, if I have, say, some cacao nibs, you know, that popular pudding snack, um, <laughs> he hasn't, which he shouldn't have because they're, they're hard little things. Um, anyway, he had, he had a couple I really didn't think I'd be talking about this, by the way. I'm really sorry in advance. But anyway, he had he had some cacao nibs. And then a couple of days later, uh, I was bouncing him up and down on the tube and he was holding on to the hanging things up and he tilted his head back in delight. And I looked into his mouth and behind his tooth was this black thing. And my heart stopped because I was like, oh my God, he's got a black tooth. He's got a black tooth. He's only 21 months old. That's because of my, that's because of my awful parenting because I'm breastfeeding him all night long. And so he's not cleaning his teeth. Oh my God, that's terrible parenting. Oh my God, he's going to have an operation to get the tooth out. Oh my God, he's going to be traumatized. Oh my God, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. All my fault. Anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't tooth decay after um, some extensive flossing. It was uh, a cacao nib. How did I get there? How did I get here in my life by talking about this? Is my guilt that he doesn't eat enough in the day and that's why he feeds all night? Or is it my sleep apnea? It's a mystery. But the, the, the bottom line is, how do I stop? And if he can ask for it, he's going to know when I'm with, he knows when I'm withholding it. When I say no in bed, in bed, and then he points to the bedroom and he's like, bed, bed, let's go to bed then. Like it's, it's four o'clock. It's not time for bed. So I think the next few podcasts are going to be about my journey with stopping breastfeeding. But the good thing is I don't really have an emotional attachment to it anymore because it's been so long. And because I've gone away quite a lot, not 
not a lot, but like I've been trying to write my books. I've been going away for like little days here and there, a few days at a time. Um, I thought that would end it. I thought that would end breastfeeding naturally, but I come back and he's, you know, ready as ever just to find the milk. So I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I also thought I had a connection to it because he's the youngest. And once I stop breastfeeding him, I won't technically have a baby anymore because there's something very, you know, it's, it's, you breastfeed a baby. You you don't really breastfeed a giant toddler. You obviously people do and all for that. Great. Good for you. But I didn't imagine myself breastfeeding a giant toddler. And also because I now have a toddler, but he's not giant. He still very look, much looks like a baby. Um, I thought I had an emotional attachment because I was just trying to keep him a baby for as long as possible, but I don't think I have that anymore. So we'll see. I'll keep you updated. Um, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, the impossibility of writing a novel because did anyone realize writing a novel is quite hard? It's quite a hard thing to do. I didn't realize that. And I've, I've tried it once and I should have known. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm secretly quite worried, (laughs) secretly quite worried because I wrote, I blood, sweat and tears Blood, sweat, and tears. I was really trying to remember what was after blood, but I remembered blood, sweat, 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 and tears went into the first draft, which I wrote full time for a few months at the end of 2023. And now the beginning of 2024, I've got to write the second draft within quite a short period of time. And, um, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't even remember what I wrote. Obviously it's there. I've got it, but I'm scared to look back at it. And I've got some amazing notes from my editor publisher. And I, I, I've got, you know, I should have, I have enough support to, to write it, but I'm just so scared now of starting again. And I think I'm so scared because to a certain extent with my career, it's very much like this is, it's really important that I don't fail. And I think when that's involved, I think I create better when there's no pressure. So because there is a lot of pressure on this, because obviously people are going to read it and it could be awful. I think that's what's happened. I've just got kind of stage fright from writing. And that's why I've kind of gone headfirst into, oh, what's easy to do? Oh, you know, going on stage and saying some stupid stuff. So yeah, it's been quite an intense few months slash year. So I'm hoping that This podcast is a way of me documenting um, my road to a calmer transition into not breastfeeding a baby anymore, writing my second book and carrying on being this earth, earth mother, zen creature. But I don't think that will be the case. I think I'm going to keep informing you about my failures. But um, thank you very much for listening. I'm really glad that I'm back. And, um, I really hope that everybody has a really good new year. They had a good Christmas. I hate Christmas. I hate Christmas so much. I'm so glad it's over. Oh, thank God it's over. And thank God it's now like we're into January. We've just got to get stuff done, you know, or not. You know, I I think this is the year where I actively do less, hopefully after I do a lot. Does that make any sense? Okay. Thank you for listening, everybody. Take care and see you 
on the next episode. Goodbye. <laughs>